Well, good evening, everyone. It's so good to have you here today. When I think about favorite services, Easter certainly is my favorite service, celebrating the resurrection. But Christmas Eve comes in second. There's something about the warmth of Christmas Eve. We've been so busy getting everything together, shopping, finding all the right presents, especially the guys who were there yesterday. And uh, <laughs> I speak from experience. And, and now we're here. And this is such a beautiful way to begin your official Christmas celebration. I admire you for coming out. If you're our guest today, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for being here. It means so much to me personally and to our church. Because we love to get to know people. We love to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. In fact, if right now you could pull out uh, the gold insert. I said green in the last service. They gave me a hard time. So it's the gold insert, okay, that has the notes from the message. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like everybody just to write down their name. Uh, if they're a regular tender here at Springbrook, if you're not, put down your email. And then also on the back of this insert is a place where you can signify that you had made a decision to become a child of God. And we'll talk about uh, that later. We've been talking a lot about the wise men this season at Springbrook. And I am the founder of the Wiseman Truth Initiative. 25 years I have served at its helm to get the truth out about the wise men. Somebody has to speak up. And I want that to be my legacy. My 25th year as a senior pastor teaching this very important truth. And the truth is, is that the wise men were not there the day that Jesus was born. He wasn't. I know some of you are hurting right now. You're struggling. You say, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, it's true. It's true. They weren't there. Like the Bible tells us that they arrived maybe two years later because they had to travel for like 700 to 800 miles just to get to where Jesus was. So they weren't there. And, and we don't know if there were three of them or two of them or five of them or 15 of them. Again, that's the number of gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. People have assumed that. They've given names of the wise men, which, again, we have no record of. <laughs> so we've had a good time uh, with this. And so what I've encouraged our congregation to do, to join me in the Truth Initiative. And that means you go home, you take the wise men, put them in another part of the house, small index card, arrive two years later. It's just as simple as that. That's all I'm asking you to do. I know you ladies, you really love your nativity scenes. And without the wise men there, I mean, you paid a lot of money for the wise men. It's just not the same. But I'm asking you, are you more concerned about the truth or tradition? Don't let tradition bring you down. Take a step tonight. Email me. Send me a picture. 
Try to get the word out to everyone. And then, when you go to your family's house or your friend's house for Christmas, don't tell them, okay? So what you want to do is you want to take the wise men, put them a distance away, arrive two years later. Now, you, you don't want to tell them because they might be upset. Yeah, the truth hurts. Just move them over there and just blend back into the crowd. And then if you're really bold, change of public nativity scene. And I thought as the 25th year of being the founder of a Wiseman Truth Initiative, I was going to do it just to get the engine going again. So here we see the place of the crime, Living Waters Lutheran Church on Miller Road. I drive by it every day to come to church. And they've got this typical nativity scene out. And, and I've been going by it. I said, something's got to change there. So I did something that was kind of risky. I had my son Tommy come along with me, and he was my lookout. Because, you know, the police are driving down Miller Road all the time. So, you know, every time a police car came, hit the deck, you know. But, uh, yeah, he was watching out. And so this is the first thing that I did. Arrived two years later. And I kind of looked at that and I said, yeah, that makes a point. But no, no, it must be much stronger of a statement. So I unscrewed uh, the wise men from their stakes and I put them over there. You know, St. Margaret Mary's on Algonquin Road actually has them just like this. I want to call them and thank them. They're the one church that gets them, right? Yeah. But that wasn't good enough, so I said, I've got to remove them. And this is what I did. Yeah. Put them over on the side. This happened all very quickly because we didn't know what was going to happen in terms of uh, who might see us as vandals. I mean, we're not vandals. We're just you know, teaching the truth. So, uh, yeah, I felt very good about it. And there was one other helper that we had. This is Pastor Dustin from Living Waters. <laughs> you should have heard the conversation when I called him up. Hey, could I come use your wise men? I explained. He said, now what would you say? <laughs> but we had a good chance getting to know uh, one another. So it's wonderful when you send me photos of uh, the proof that you have changed. You put truth over tradition. Here we see uh, Wes and Melissa. Sedlasek and Wiseman, you see, they've been moved to the right. Wes and Melissa here tonight? Okay. In the next picture, we see, uh, the <laughs> we see the Wiseman at Starbucks. Now, why is that? Why are the Wiseman at Starbucks? Well, Bill and Becky Atkinson, right, raise your hand over here, all you guys. Yeah, all our great kids. Um, they're longtime attenders and friends, members. And so they've heard this over and over again. So they said, we're really going to do something special for Dan. So they went out and shot the journey of the wise men. And they put it on one of those calendars, you know. There's a picture on each you know, month, January, February, March. And this is one of them. Another picture was of them in very treacherous area. I think this brings up a really good point because... The wise men just didn't have like a camel expressway that went to Jerusalem. 
if they would have went straight east, they would have hit the mountains. So they had to go all the way around, and that's why it took so long. In the last picture here, we see that they were righteous, and they were obedient in following uh, the lights. Let's take a look at the wise men and learn much more here. The next slide, we see Matthew 2.1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, and they came to Jerusalem. All right. So, yeah, they did come. Now, why in the world would three important men travel one or two years to see a baby? Take a further look here in the next verse. You have to understand that these uh, wise men, and they were called magi. In fact, there was a, a tribe of magi starting back at Abraham that went all the way through the Roman Empire. And they were the priests to the Medo Persians, just like the Levites were the priests to the Israelites, and they sacrificed animals and things of that nature. Uh, so, what happened was is that they. And we're serving in this way. And remember how Israel was taken in uh, to captivity or Judah for 70 years. Because the Lord was disciplining them for their rebellion. Well, Daniel was one of the young men that went with the Israelites out of their homeland and taken captive by the people in Babylon. Well, he was a sharp guy. So they got him into a leadership training program. And he just went straight up by God's grace. And he became the chief of all the wise men. Here we see a reference to that. Uh, never, oh, one verse back. Uh, what happened here is that uh, someone was telling King Belshazzar, who was the king at that time, about this wise man named Daniel, who probably had retired. I'm not sure. But in the days of your father... Talking to Belshazzar, talking to, to Nebuchadnezzar, a light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And this guy really knows what he's talking about. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, should be magi, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. So what this says is that Daniel was really one of the most prominent people in Babylon, even though he was in captivity, because God had put him there. And what I can imagine happening is that they had the Torah at that time, and so what he did is he started to teach these very educated men about the Hebrew Scriptures, about the God of Israel. And I'm sure that there were many of the Magi and others in that day that came to believe in Jehovah and not the other gods that were, were worshipped. And here's the beautiful thing. Daniel left them with the Torah, and over a 700-year period, uh, it was passed down from one generation to another. See, the, the Magi, they loved stars. They're big into astronomy, and they're always studying the stars. So this is very interesting to them because they heard 
that it was going to be a star. It was going to signify that a king had been born. Look at the next slide here. I see him. This is a Balaam's prophecy. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So the wise men were very aware of this verse. So every night, I believe, for 700 or so years, they were looking in the sky for something unique. 700 years. I believe there's a remnant of God-fears in the Magi. And they were looking for that star. Imagine that. Looking for a star for 700 years? That's quite a few generations, isn't it? But they really believed. Because, I mean, Daniel, very respectful, uh, very respected. uh, They just believed it was true. Daniel had said it was in the Torah. And so they kept looking for this uh, particular star. If we go to the next slide, Matthew 2.2 saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? The Magi are now talking to Herod. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now a little more about their, <laughs> their lives is that the Magi were like the top advisors to the kings of Egypt. In fact, they were the ones who made a king. They chose the kings. So these guys are kingmakers. I mean, they have a lot of clout. And, you know, you see these beautiful stories about these three wise men, you know, walking on the sand, stuff like that. No way! You would never travel alone out there, especially if you were an important person. You'd definitely be killed or robbed, whatever the case might be. Again, there was no expressway that they could travel down. They had to go all around the place to get to it. And most likely, they each had their small security detail, maybe like a hundred men. So if we say there were three, that's 300 armed guards traveling with these three guys. Now that is quite a presence, isn't it? So, so this huge contingent of armed guards and these wise men walk into Jerusalem. I mean, the whole city was astir. And Herod, who was the ruler on behalf of the Romans during that day, uh, he knew who they were. They were kingmakers, and he was a little paranoid, <laughs> insecure. Uh, he, was, he was a terrible person. But beyond that, it says, they asked him, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, Herod, these guys know what they're talking about. So there must be some baby around. We go to the next verse. When Herod the king heard of this, he was troubled. What does it say? 
and all Jerusalem with him. Because everybody in Jerusalem knew that when Herod got troubled, they were going to feel the pain, which they would in this instance again. Herod was paranoid. Herod wanted to keep his political office. And so anybody, even a baby, he was threatened by a baby. And all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all, he gets all his wise men together. They're called wise men because they're obviously advisors uh, to the kings. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. (laughs) I just can imagine this scene. You know, he brings in all these Jewish advisors and he says, Do you know where Jesus, or where, where the king is going to be born? And they kind of go, Duh. Everybody knew. It was taught in school very early on. Everybody knew where he was to be born. We look at Matthew 2, 5, and 6. They told him, Micah 5, 2, they're quoting, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet Herod, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. What's the most interesting thing about this? Everybody knows this verse. Certainly, the news about Jesus being born uh, was spread in some ways. But people didn't seem to care. I mean, their Messiah, who had come to earth, I don't even know if these advisors went out and looked in Bethlehem. Ah, they, they just kind of brushed it off. And a lot of people are like that with Jesus. We're so busy, we're so consumed with our own lives and serving other people and things of that nature that we don't take time to figure out who Jesus is. And so you have these wise men traveling over two years in order to worship the Christ child because they believed that he was a king. Look at the next verse. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Yeah, right. They wanted to kill him. That's what they wanted to do. We go to the next verse. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. A lot of people wonder, what was a star? Some say alignment of the planets, or maybe it's a comet. I believe that it was the Shekinah glory of God. God revealed in light. Because you see, when they went to Bethlehem, all of a sudden it appeared again. So I believe this star... 
was pretty close. <laughs> oh, there it is. And then it moved right over the house. Well, that's kind of unusual, right? It's just not a degree of angle. I mean, it moved. And it was right over the house. And how thrilled they must have been. And you, you just have to imagine, you know, Bethlehem, again, just full of peasants, poor people, very, very poor people. Mary and Joseph were in the same boat. And all of a sudden, you have these magi coming with all the arraignments and, 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 and a, a contingent of who knows how many soldiers. I mean, Bethlehem was shook up that day, no doubt about it. It wasn't used to this type of attention. And so they go up to the house that Jesus lived in. It says that in Scripture. And, and they knock on the door. I don't know how it went down, but... And they say, well, is this the place? You can imagine Mary and Joseph. They're just having an average day. <laughs> say, oh, hello. Mary's cleaning up the house and everything. But, uh, <laughs> did I mean, wow, what a group to show up. <coughs> and you get this kind of glory right over, right over the house. And, uh, and then the wise men come in and they present gold and frankincense and myrrh. These are kingly gifts to give to a king. And they bow down in front of this two-year-old. Can you imagine that happening to your two-year-old? <laughs> I mean, wow. It must have been so powerful, so overwhelming to Mary and Joseph because they needed some encouragement along the way, right? I mean, it all started out with a bang, but uh, they need to be reassured, yes, this is the king of the Jews. Uh, it's amazing just to visualize them kneeling there at the feet of Jesus. Let me go to the next verse. Now Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked <laughs> by the wise men, and he was tricking them, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Now, see, that's where you get the two years from, right? So they gave him an idea that it was at least a year and a half or whatever. Can you imagine in our area, let's say McHenry County, that the government edict comes down that all children two and under are to be killed? Wow. Talk about ISIS, those type of things. Yeah. This is just cruelty. Herod took it out on the people. And a lot of people suffered when Jesus Christ came into the earth. I mean, it was a very significant event, one of the most important events in, in history. So we go to the next verse. One thing you need to realize is that Jesus came with a mission. 
For the Son of God came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. To bring good news to them that he was going to pay the penalty for their sins and bring them to God. That's why Christmas and Easter, they just go hand in hand. Look at the next verse. Of course, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and you and you and you. God loves you. I don't know what type of church you grew up in. I don't know what your parents taught you about God, but the majority of people have a negative view of God. That he's stern. He's like a judge or a grandfather who's out of it. But it's usually negative. Kind of like, oh, I've got to do this for God or hit me with a lightning bolt. That is not the case at all. If you study the scriptures, you see unconditional love that he wants to express to you. He wants you to be his child. He wants you as his own. He wants to walk with you through this life and help you. And you'll still have problems, but you'll have the creator of the universe helping you out, right? Pray to Him. It's just so fantastic to be a Christ follower. I just wish I could talk to any of you who are doubting. I wish I could sit down in front of you and talk to you and answer your questions. Because this is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. You see, everybody's got to figure out who Jesus Christ is. There's three choices. First of all, He was a liar. I mean, a lot of religions kind of bring Jesus in as one of their extra gods. Yeah, we, we love Jesus too. But Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. Jesus claimed to be the only way to the Father. So that means you've got to make a decision. Are you going to submit to Him? Are you going to let Him transform your life? Or are you not? Now, He could have been a lunatic too. I mean, just raving mad. If I came up here and I said, I am God in the flesh, I am the second Jesus, I'm sure we'd probably have some people walk out, right? Where'd you bring me, man? (laughs) This is really bad. But Jesus made that statement. Either the liar, lunatic, or he was the Lord. He is who he says he is. And he is God himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And therefore, if that's true, then we need to respond to him. We need to pay attention to that question because it has to be answered. And if you don't answer it, you basically say, no, Jesus was not important. When I talk with people about the gospel, which I love to do, uh, I usually ask them this question. I say, hey, if you died tonight and had to appear in heaven and they ask you, why should we let you in? And usually they say, well, 
I've been a good person. I'm much better than the rest of the people that I was around. Uh, that's perfectly true. And I've really tried hard. And I've earned a lot of brownie points. You know, some of you came tonight to earn brownie points with God. That's one of the reasons you came. Well, if I go to church on Christmas Eve, Easter, whatever, well, that just kind of increases my good works level in order to <laughs> outweigh the things that I do wrong. No, no, no. We're not giving any brownie points out. God's not giving you brownie points to get here because you can't earn a relationship with God by working for it. And look at this next verse, 1 Peter 3.18. This is what happened on the cross. We are sinners. We're born that way. And God is a holy judge. And somebody has got to pay the penalty for our sins. And that penalty is eternal separation from God. But God, out of His great love for us, He came down Himself to pay the punishment. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. Who's righteous? Jesus Christ, right? Who's unrighteous? That's all of us. That He might bring us to God. That's why Jesus came to earth. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They, they love us so much. They, they don't want us to be separated from Him. They want us to have a relationship and recognize that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. Jesus came to bring us to God. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a deep and wonderful spiritual truth. Now, again, when I talk to people, they usually list work, so I take them to this other verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace is unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. And you're saved through what? Your good works? No, your faith in Jesus Christ and His claims. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one can boast. And I find the majority of people in this area have been raised up in churches that says, okay, you're baptized as an infant, and you're confirmed, and you're good to go. Could be, if you really have accepted Christ as Lord and not trusting your good works, but I find that most people say, well, I accepted uh, Jesus, and now I just have to continue to keep my end of the deal up, and be good enough. That's the last thing God wants, is for you to try to earn your way into heaven, because it's impossible, not as a result of work, so that no one can boast. I'm a Christ follower. I'm the same as you. I was a sinner. I was lost. Then my mom told me about Jesus and how much he loved me, and how he wanted me to come into him into me, and I tell you, it is so true, and I know in this large group we have people who, you know, really are just like, no way, I'm family bragging here, <laughs> it's interesting and entertaining, but really, it doesn't touch me at all, because, you know, it's not true, others of you here are thinking, you're thinking, hmm, kind of a different way to approach 
relationship with God, isn't it? And other people here are saying, wow, it's just kind of like the big light bulb went off in their head. Everything came together. Now I get it. Now I get it. All I have to do is to put my faith in Jesus Christ. We look at the next slide. Titus 3.5 again. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. Now once you become a Christ follower, the good works will just naturally flow. But they, they don't earn your way to heaven. The only way to earn your heaven is earn your way to heaven is <laughs> you can't. But to come to Jesus and say, I got nothing. I'm humbling myself before you. And a lot of people have a problem with that. Humbling themselves before God. And it keeps a lot of people from making a decision to follow Christ. And the next verse. Well, this is the prayer. Now, again, these are all biblical concepts here. But if you pray this prayer, understanding that Jesus Christ died for your sins, you are a sinner, you need a penalty, but you accept the penalty that Jesus Christ paid on your behalf, this will happen. The Heavenly Father, take all my life. That's a tough thing. To give all of your life to God. Because you're used to running the show. But that's his will. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. A Savior from what? A Savior from eternal punishment. Forgive me for all of my sins. He just wants you to repent. I no longer depend on my good works for salvation. Make me brand new. And when you choose to put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you, and you have a new capacity, a new nature to love and serve God. And that's where all those good works flow. But they only come because you put your faith in Christ, not yourself. My life, it's not my own. It now belongs to you. Thank you for new life. Renew my mind as I give you my life. All for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I want to thank you for each individual here tonight. I want to thank you for those who have experienced the new freedom of putting their whole trust in Christ and they're not good their good works. Lord, I pray for those who just, you know, really don't care. Though I would just love to talk to them and encourage them. But now's the time. If you really need to find out who Jesus Christ is, you really have not settled the issue until you say, I don't believe in Christ, whether it was a religious teacher or whatever. That's not settling the issue. You've got to claim him as your Lord. And I pray for those here who are saying, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> I've never heard it put in this way. I want to become a Christ follower. I want to be part of his kingdom. I want to have him every day there in my life. Be used by him to serve others and spend eternity with him. So if you're in that position, I would encourage you to pray silently as I pray this prayer. Not by our works, but all by faith in what Christ did for us.
Heavenly Father, take all of my life. I choose you. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. Forgive me for all of my sins. I no longer depend on my good works for salvation. Make me brand new. It's my life. It's not my own. It now belongs to you. Thank you for a new life. Renew my mind as I give you my life. All for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, I just want to rejoice. Maybe the one or two or five or whatever. People who the Holy Spirit got a hold of. And he's been tapping on their door for a long time. And tonight he opened it and said, will you let me in? Lord, I just pray for those who have made that decision. I pray that they would get the help that they need and learn how to be a Christ follower. Not necessarily earning it, but just how to enjoy and engage and serve God. And I also pray for those who just, oh, that's not my thing. I pray that this next year you would make it very clear to them that they have to make a decision about Jesus. Most people put it off and put it off until the decision is made for them. I pray they'd make that decision to search like the wise men. The wise men gave maybe three to four years of their life seeking out Jesus. Now, they thought he was going to be a political savior, actually turned into a spiritual savior. Now, he was a king, but the king of the spiritual kingdom. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. It never gets old because we need to be reminded of it. Those of us who are Christ followers, we need to tell other people. And uh, we pray that many people will come to know you. In Christ's name.